0: Welcome in to Patriot Sports. This is Will Dundon here with Seth Coggin and Nick Crucial and a special guest appearance from our buddy over at Rocky Top Insider, Ryan Schumper. Guys, we have so much to cover today. Football is in full swing. We have absolutely everything. And the drama is ensuing. We're going to get into what I'm sure a lot of the listeners know I want to talk about at some point, but we're going to kick it off here. Just a little college football roundtable. I think we should start with Bama, Texas, kind of the big noon kickoff, big game of the week, just a lot of – obviously a lot of eyes on it being that first game of the day into big name programs, however you want to look at it, definitely two very big brands. I'll say this. I'll just kick it off with this. If Quinn Ewers plays that whole game, Texas wins.
1: Easily. That's why I was was making jokes with my buddy about the 2010 National Championship game. It's like the same narrative from the last time, Bama, but this time – you know, they knocked Colt McCoy out. And that's what every Texas fan has been hanging on to for the last 12 years because they've done nothing since that game. It's just always, all you hear is just, oh, if Colt McCoy hadn't got hurt in that, and if he hadn't got hurt in the in the championship, we're probably national champions. And that's firstly probably a lie. Like in this game, it actually might be true. You know, they lost by one point. They He really could, probably could have made a difference. But in that, in that, championship game like Baylor was probably still the better team like probably gonna win that one but uh texas fans are just always holding on but i want to say something about the once proud texas football program and i thought about this today i kind of i was having i was just seeing a lot of love for texas and a lot of texas people being satisfied a lot of texas people being satisfied well hey hey texas you lost OK, <laughs> you, did, you won nothing. You played a team close. And guess what? You're 0-1 on the record sheet. You lost. Like you are Texas. Like if Vanderbilt plays Alabama with one point, OK, yeah. You know what? Great job, Vanderbilt. Moral, you're a moral victory school. There are moral victory schools <laughs> and there are victory schools. And, all, and, you know, you thought Texas was a championship victory school. They act like it. They think they are. But, in, but they're not anymore. They're a moral victory school now. And I've watched it. I've watched Arkansas be a moral victory school now. But that doesn't happen anymore when you're in an elite program. There are no moral victories. You almost won, but you blew it. You you blew it. You had well, Alabama d- closer than about anyone besides Georgia in the last couple of years. And you let them off the hook. So the Hogs will have to finish the job. That's fine. I wanted Alabama to be undefeated, to be honest. I didn't, I did I wasn't cheering for Bama, but I did not want Bama to lose because I just want the satisfaction of beating them. That's how my brain works, but, uh, Texas (laughs) losers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) None of these, none of these moral victories are going to count. I mean, you were yours is out for a while. Like you got to deal with this and Hudson card played hurt, you know, the rest of the game. So I don't even know what his status is. Uh, but, and he is just, what there was like a lot of controversy was there not between him and Ewers kind of people thinking the boosters were all in on Ewers, yeah. but I mean it looked pretty clear to me that he was the much better quarterback out of the two anyway. So I don't know what their schedule really looks like, but I don't see Hudson Card just rattling off victories necessarily. Again, I don't know who's on their schedule. So you guys yeah, see yeah, that that yeah. was.
2: I just right, pulled that up actually. I was, I was curious about that, but yeah, yeah, UTSA this week, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and then Iowa State. And then uh, Oklahoma State again, I, I don't think he's probably in that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State timeline when he comes back, but it's just going to be so, it's going to be so Texas to Seth's point. Like, they're, they played great in that game, and they're going to drop like two of those next four or five games. Like, they're just going to oh, yeah. go seven and five, eight and four, probably seven and five, six and six. And all the hype from a game that they easily could have won—it's—it's going to be for naught. Like it—it yeah. it just screams. It just screams Texas.
1: It, it's so similar in a very different type of game to when they played the national champion LSU team, really tight early in the season at home. Yeah. Like I think they—they they were within a touchdown. Like they really were were pretty. You know, it was a way different game. It was like in the 40s, I believe. But uh, but it was super close. But they played them tight, and it was kind of like, well, we played a good team close. You know were a lot better and then they ended up probably going like seven and five that year like yeah you played a good team close in week two when Alabama commits the most penalties they've committed in the Nick Saban era or something like that when it's like 110 degrees on the field in Austin you played a team close like in week two congrats I mean I'll say we don't even know how good Alabama is like Alabama has been I mean, very very be good. good. We, I mean, yeah, we know, they're going to be know good, that. but we don't. <laughs> we think we always view them as like untouchable, but the reality is they could easily lose a couple games like this year. I'm just uh-huh. saying. I'm just saying. We glorify Alabama, and it's just week two, and they committed like 15 penalties, and you still lost. So take your L and just. That's up.
0: true. I will say this: like Texas's defense, especially the front the front four I mean, looking they were really good
3: at Bryce Young It that that's what blew me away the most Will I think to your point was that that front seven was literally just eating all over an Alabama offensive line that is usually stacked to the brim with talent uh so I I think that was the most telling thing that hey maybe uh maybe Texas defense is that good but I'm thinking more maybe to to Seth's point a little bit maybe that offensive line has a little bit more uh a few more holes in it than we thought yeah, well, I mean, did to weakness. Bryce
0: Young at the end there, too, just picking him apart. Go ahead, Chump.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was a weakness for Alabama last year was the offensive line. And they fired Doug Marone, who was the offensive line coach. And it seemed like there was a lot of buzz about how much better the coaching was going to be there. And they got dominated. And then the receivers, which was obviously the, tr- the problem for him in the championship game, once Jamison went down, they just weren't very good. And they bring Jermaine Burton in from Georgia, but I still think, like, there was a ton of – There wasn't any solidified stud coming back in that room, and it's been a long time since that was the case in Alabama. And I think we all just kind of expect, at least myself, expected them to figure it out, and maybe they still will. Probably they still will. I mean, it's Alabama, but it was a lot of the same problems that cost them in that Georgia game were still right there for the offense, and it just feels like Bryce Young might have to do a a big-time carry job for that offense this year.
0: Yeah, if nothing else, it just makes things interesting. We we do see this. I feel like maybe not every year, but pretty consistently. You know, Bama plays someone that you expect them to kind of handle, and, and I mean, it, I guess you could say it was Arkansas last year. Hey, uh, and obviously, I mean, Arkansas was pretty was pretty solid, but at the same time, I don't think anyone expected it to go besides Seth go to kind of the last little bit of the game. So Florida
2: game too early in the year.
0: Yeah, I, and I, I don't want to say like. <laughs> We, we get to see their human because who who knows they might come out and just rattle off, you know, 30 p- plus point wins here and there, but it, it does make things interesting. I'm Seth, I'm circling that Arkansas game because just the way Arkansas's physicality they're playing with, that's what I'm really excited to see how they match up with them.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I'll be in the building. So pretty, pretty confident. That's, in that that's at least three points. Yeah. That I think, yeah, <laughs> it's like the home, home crowd is worth three. And then, Boss cog in the home crowd. That's yeah, three, that's, that's, yeah, six,
3: that's yeah. six, and then. All right, that's factors. an edge we have on Vegas, there, boys. We might. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> we, we, we just out. we just let them know. <laughs> no, we don't <laughs> let them know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, the they're definitely listening in uh, onto this yeah, pod.
1: Then, You know this. Well, can, this can force. You're going to see movement. the line come out <laughs> and shift three points. <laughs> <laughs> I get
0: calls. Uh, you in attendance confirmation or yeah (laughs) i will have boots Uh, on the ground uh, the last thing i'll say about this game and then y'all can finish it up or we can move on to the next one i i'm i do kind of have some belief in sark over at texas i'm not saying it's going to be this year especially with yours out for a few games but and, and this is obviously all i guess hypothetical you could say but I just see them next year, if yours is healthy, really rattling off some wins in the w- – will they be in the SEC next year? Possibly. That'd be awesome. Well, then, yeah, I don't know. And forget I what I was about 20, to say. I 2025,
3: right? Or I bet yeah, they I go
1: – I honestly bet they go 2024 when – I bet the playoff starts that year and real – I bet it kind of happens.
3: They are going to try to go early, I'd imagine. but B- I'm
1: Big 10 10- – USC and UCLA
2: are 2024. And like I said, like you all had 2025 is what OU and Texas are slated for. But I think 2024 is still in play there.
1: Because that's two years. That's still – that's not next season. That's like the season afterwards. So, yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. be the first
2: year Arch Manning would be in line to be the starter. Wow, Arch
1: – dude, Arch Manning becoming an SEC legend at Texas, there's – oh, my, that's that's almost sickening to me. That's, but it's awesome. It's like cool that – he he goes to Texas and still becomes an SEC legend. Oh, that's crazy. Well, and something I I found interesting that everyone's kind of
0: worried about is when Arch <laughs> gets there, what's, what happens with him and yours But, I mean, Ewers redshirted last year. So say he, like, finishes off this season really well and just balls out next year. I mean, what's stopping gone. him from going to NFL? Arch redshirts that year, and he's still got four years left, you know? I, I feel like that's a real possibility that people are over, overlooking a little bit.
1: Yeah, that'll work itself out, like, I'm no – I wouldn't be worried about that at all just because having – and who – I mean, to be honest, Arch Manning, yeah, probably going to be elite. Like, who am I I get to sit here and say a man? Like, it would be really dumb of me to doubt a Manning at this point. But you do watch some of his highlights, and it's like this guy is playing against, like, some guys guys that are not going to be in the SEC next season. I'll say that. Um, So, you know, it's a (laughs) – it's a big jump for anybody, and to say, to say he'll be ready as a freshman is a little bold. Um, or you know, he may need some time to develop, you never know. I mean, he may come and start in like Peyton, but uh, he may, may be a lot different. But I think it's time to head on down to uh, to College Station. A little, a little actually, I don't know directionally where that is in Texas because it's College <laughs> Station, I've never had to go there.
3: Yeah, nobody knows where that is. It's
1: sound, I feel like South is right. It is know. South, I, I would think it's like South near Houston. South. Yeah. It's more near Houston. Uh, yeah. So that's definitely South of like Austin, I guess. Although Austin's pretty far. I'm just, I have been to Austin it was a, it was a long drive (laughs) and I don't want to go to college station. Oh man. But Appalachian state did want to go to college station. They tripled. Oh, they almost tripled up the Aggies in first downs. They doubled them in yards, doubled them in time of possession. Uh. It was a dominating performance. It was a dominating performance from the best team in the game, the Appalachian State. Um, I actually don't. Mountaineers. Mountaineers. Yep. Great program. Honestly, not a great defense. You can't allow 60 points to North Carolina in one week and all of a sudden become a great defense. Like that doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen. I don't care. If you allow 63 points to a mediocre ACC team, you're not automatically going to become Bama 2010. That's just not how defense works. AM is down pretty bad. What are your thoughts, Jimbo? He's talked so hot much. Seat. Hot and he seat has won sure. so little in the last eight years. Hot seat? You're saying hot seat? Yeah. I don't know. His the buyout can- is
3: pretty, pretty toasty. Yeah, yeah it's 95 I mean, million.
1: It, he's under contract for
2: so long. Like, what is their. Uh, yeah. And I'm still on a, a point here. I heard Josh Pate say today, but it's like they're so broken on offense. But what's this? I mean, he's an offense. He's the one in charge of the offense. <laughs> yeah. like, what's, what's the solution? It's, it's like not to go fire breaks. your coordinator. Like, he's the guy in charge, and you've committed all this money to him in such a long-term contract that, you know, I don't I don't know what your what your answer, what your quick fix is, other than him taking a long – Hard look in the mirror and realizing that his offense hasn't been that good, besides when Jameis Winston was the quarterback, um, and Ryan, you're, you're he's preaching. been a pretty above average, no better than that coach when he hasn't had Jameis Winston. And preaching. I think, and it again, with the transfer portal today, it's like that class they just brought in could be gone. The guys, they keep sucking and they don't have an opportunity. They're going to leave. Like they, they'll go get money elsewhere with NIL and yeah. in the transfer portal. And it's crazy how quickly that type of stuff can turn and. I don't know. They're they've been broken on offense for a couple of years now, and there does not seem to be a quick fix at all.
0: No, you're you're singing sweet music to Seth right now. But yeah, and, I, and no, I agree with you. I heard someone talk about that whole Jameis Winston thing today. And even uh, I mean, they had a run of kind of top 10, top 15 teams. But I mean, E.J. Manuel was there. He was a great college quarterback anyway, played in the NFL for a little bit. So may, maybe that's the answer. They're getting some highly ranked quarterbacks, kind of. I mean, but. And they're just not working. So was out. Haynes
2: King. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Haynes King was a top 50 guy.
0: But he seems like he sucks, right?
1: Yeah, he's not Jim, been like, good. Uh, at it.
0: That's what I mean. Like, I and don't I know. You a. gotta a. find the,
1: was better when Kyle played last year. Yeah. As I really I did was a great, deep but... uh, as I did a deep Wikipedia dive on Jimbo Fisher today, um, at the office, it just became really apparent that just Jimbo came in and was very effective. Jimbo won his division in four out of his first five years as a coach. That included two conference championships and a national championship. So the second, the the last time he won the division was Jim, was Jameis Winston's last year in college. Since then he has gone eight years, never finishing better than second in his division. Like how do you come out of the gates four out of five? And then you just drop off. I said it when they hired him. He was five and six at the time at Florida state. Like he was flaming out at Florida state and what I believed he was on the, I, and I compared them today. I don't know. It's not, it's probably a little bit of a slight to Jimbo. He's probably had a little more sustained success, but he seemed a lot more like Gene Chizik's situation at Auburn. That's fair. A pretty decent coach. He won a few games. And then all of a sudden you have a generational talent you go win a national championship, then he leaves and you're kind of exposed for what you really are. Like two years after Jameis Winston is there, Jimbo's five and six after having gone like eight and four the year before. like, he's, he was on a downward trajectory at Florida state. He gets hired at A&M. And what do you give like mediocre people, like so much money and zero incentive to do? Like you give him such a long contract. You give him so much money. How is that going to inspire greatness in this coach who's going downhill? And he got so much – like, he gets so much media love as being this genius coach. And, like, what has he done? If anything, he has constantly underperformed. Like, he literally – they constantly have top recruiting classes, top expectations, and even if they win a few games, they don't meet them. Like, they're, they had one – he had one good season at A&M, and it was COVID year. Went 9-1, and one, which is impressive. Uh, They had an impressive season that that year, but even that year could have gone, you know, if they go seven and three that year, which they probably easily could have something like that, just because every, you know, there are several games a year that are definitely swing games. Um, Then you're looking at something just really terrible. He has a worse record than someone through 50 games. And he's the guy that was going to bring them to the nationals. Like he was the guy that was going to step up and take like the, the national stage, like, truly be elite and he's done nothing they're just (sighs) because then they even give him a contract extension after 2020 like they he already had 10 years and i think they added another couple on it
3: you just locked
1: yourself into the to mediocrity with with him and their offense is putrid and you're right that is his thing you are the offensive guru and you you are getting like getting Getting stopped by Alabama or Georgia is one thing, but getting stonewalled for sixty minutes against Appalachian State,
3: I mean, that's home
1: is just downright. It cannot, like, it actually cannot happen. Like, this should be a fireable offense. They should fight, like, because I've seen it. If you start accepting losses to Appalachian State at home, are you going to win the national championship? No, no. I mean, who's going to pay that ninety-five million
3: dollar buyout? I mean, I
1: don't know you're a and you brag about having money all the time Show some balls and use that money fire a coach that's never going to win a national championship at Texas a you, you seriously sit right here and tell me tell me Jim O. Fisher could win an at like is going to win a national championship at AM. and m
0: I mean, I, de- I mean, I don't believe it anymore.
1: No,
3: I thought it was possible after the 9-1 win uh, season, but
1: that was I his mean, best quarterback. Probably that was Kellen Mann's senior year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. he yeah. had some crazy good numbers. Kellen was good. Again, yeah. I mean, he got, so. Well, and what, is, is that all it
0: takes? Like, is that just what he needs? It's he like needs that. Really that's what
1: unlocks his, his gurueness as just an elite quarterback. Well, I mean, but like Mond,
0: I wouldn't say yeah. Kellamond is elite.
1: I yeah, mean, but he was, he was good. yeah, he was good. I mean, yeah, that's fair. He was not elite, but he was. I don't know.
3: I, I would put him in the great category. Maybe not quite elite. But great he, college his, quarterback. Yeah.
1: Well, hey, well His Arkansas
0: numbers
3: were pretty good. It's
0: Hey, I got to say this, because we talked about this about a year ago, me and Reese, and And I said I said he is like a slightly – or no, I said he is Adrian Martinez on a way better team. And we looked up the stats and they were almost identical in total (laughs) yards, touchdowns, all that. But, I mean, that being said, obviously, Kelamond is floating around the NFL. I think he's got a little more ability. But I wouldn't put him in the great college quarterback category. All right, Ryan, what do you think trajectory of –
1: what do you think trajectory of Jimbo is from here on out, Ryan? That's a great question.
2: And I, the stat I was looking up while you were talking about it, he has two 10 win regular seasons and 11 years without James Winston as his head coach. And he's playing in the ACC at the best football school in the ACC for a lot of these years. Going, winning 10 games shouldn't be, that should be the goal every year to win 10 games. Um, yeah, I mean I, I think so much stuff it does depend on like this this season and how much they can keep the Wills on the track. And because of that, that he's gonna have from the recruiting, if he can keep the guys on campus enough talent to win, just, just beat a lot of teams with talent alone, I think. But if you start losing those guys and your defense isn't really good, it's probably not elite. AM's defense hasn't been elite, but it's been really good. And then I just don't see how how you're going to keep up. And I think a lot of it depends on what Brian Kelly does at LSU. Can Sam Pittman, you know, sustain what he's done the last two years in Arkansas? Cause right now, I mean, Arkansas definitely has had better teams the past few years and there's nothing's easy in the SEC West. So, uh, you know, I don't see him. I think there's kind of to Seth's point, he does get a lot of media hype. And I think there is kind of this consensus that a is going to become the second best program in the SEC West. like definitively and, I don't see that. I mean, I think they're gonna be kind of middle of the pack and in middle pack and West SEC West is still pretty good, but I I don't see him taking it to the next level at A and M past just consistent eight and four,
0: you know, nine and three seasons kind of. Which is not what you're paying him for. I mean, when you're paying when you're dishing out that much money, it's like I mean, and you're seriously talking about you could be the fourth best team in the West when you if you count in Maybe LSU gets it going, maybe Ole maybe Ole Miss, you know, is pretty solid, like beat you ah, out a couple State. years. Like Mississippi Alabama, State's good this year. Arkansas, Mississippi, Mississippi State.
1: State. I mean the U- I could, they could State easily wins in Baton Rouge this weekend. I bet so. I mean, I would I would I would think so. I don't know what's the line on they, they what's the line on that game. LSU, They're, like, Mississippi State's like a field favorite. favorite, I think. So, really yeah. I, It's not really surprising, I guess, but I, I actually think pretty highly of Mississippi State. And this will be a I big t- like these early games are fun to watch, just SEC like it was fun to watch Arkansas go against the SEC team, especially one that wasn't like truly the best team in the conference, just to kind of size up, you know, see, see what's going on. Um, find out where you kind of lie. Um, Cause honestly, let's be honest. Most of the games in conference aren't for like the the division championship. Like there's only a few games that are really swing games in um, kind of deciding who wins the conference. Um, so like, Arkansas A&M and Arkansas Alabama like those are two big ones to kind of see who's going to finish highest in the west but it's fun to go against a conference opponent and just see um, where you stack up or for Tennessee you know going up and facing a good team in Pitt that's you know a strong strong program right now that's like had some good years is used to winning there's something to be said about a program that's like won a little bit even if it's just in the year before um in the year prior so um Ryan, what's, uh what's the vibes on, on Vol Nation? You know, how was the trip to Pitt? I assume. Yeah. You were there in person, took a little trip through Morgantown. I saw. Very yeah. Fun, very fun place to drive through, you know, John Denver knew what he was talking about up there. He did. Um, But yeah, just a little, just a little recap of the trip uh, view of the Vols. How, how are we looking?
2: Yeah. trip was a ton of fun. Uh, I said very beautiful drive up through East Tennessee and Southwest Virginia and then through West Virginia. And, Pittsburgh was cool. Never been there. Got to go see PNC Park, which was awesome. Nice. On Friday night. Walked across the bridge. Yeah. Right with the bridge. And, uh, I mean, just a beautiful, beautiful view. Saul, I don't know if he's been on the program or not, but, uh, like, walked in, like, immediately saw Will Scott at the Pirates game. Uh, So, sat with him for for a couple innings. Yeah. uh, Him and he and Benny. Um, But, yeah. And then on to the game, I mean, it was – I've said this a couple times, and – Keaton Slovis' injury certainly like played in a, a factor. Yeah. But like outside of Georgia and Alabama, I don't know who could have gone on the road and play or it, many teams that could have played as badly as Tennessee and beat a ranked team on the road. Like Tennessee did not play well. And I think some of that goes into even with Slovis. I think Pitt was probably a little overranked. And then obviously they had to play uh, Nick Patty or up in the second half. But uh I you know, it's the fourth time in five years that Matt Narduzzi's faced up offense, Josh Heupel, and obviously Narduzzi's a defensive-minded head coach, was at Michigan State, as their D.C. before he was at Pitt? Heupel's obviously an offensive guy, and th- that was the best Narduzzi's defense has ever played uh, against a Heupel offense. I mean, they really had a lot of answers for him, uh, but Tennessee's defense made enough plays. I mean, you even go into first half, two turnovers that were absolutely massive. Uh, one took away points when, when West Virginia, or excuse me, Pitt was in the red zone, and another right before half where Tennessee really still the stole a field goal and mm-hmm. took the lead. Um, so for Tennessee's offense to play as poorly as they did and still win, I think, was impressive, uh, you know, in some ways that Tennessee – I just don't know if Tennessee – for the game, I just wasn't sure if Tennessee had the capability to win a game like that. And obviously, again, it's easier for a defense to make big plays and get stops against the backup. But we've seen plenty of times where Tennessee's defense has struggled, you know, with backups. You go back to Harris uh, against Florida a couple of years ago. And, the, the his, I mean, this all-time historic one for the Vols fans, the 2001 SEC championship game uh, when Matty Mock came in and just torched the Vols on the quarterback draw and rot, or kept them from going on uh, and facing Miami in a national championship game. So, a win at the end of the day, as we're talking about in a little bit with the Titans, like, you can play bad, and if you get a win, it, it feels a thousand times better and yep. it divides are a thousand times better than a loss. And that's even more the case in the college season when, you you know, you got 12 games and really on Tennessee's schedule there's like five swing games and anytime you can win any of those swing games no matter how you do it it's it's a success yeah
0: 100 percent. i mean that's that's the thing people as of right now you know maybe some people are talking about that backup quarterback for Pitt was not good outside of that one throw in the end zone where i'm convinced he probably had his eyes closed and just prayed <laughs> just um, slung it. but at the end of the season it doesn't matter like it's a ranked win no no one is even I mean maybe you remember it but at the end of the day it doesn't matter like all ball fans want to see is improvement and if that's I mean that's one of the biggest games on the schedule that was the swing game like even if you chalk up kind of Bama and Georgia's losses Pitt is in there with you know Florida Kentucky maybe a a couple other SEC games I'm sure that you really want to win to just keep improving on the hypo era like I, I think Shump I don't know what you're opinion is on this but for me it's just like if he can kind of stacks wins each year like wins one more than last year i feel like that's i mean obviously it's progress but i feel like that would satisfy me as a tennessee fan anyway i don't know if everyone else feels the same but that's kind of where i'm at
2: yeah i'd agree like i think the talent on this team's like eight and four you know level talent and you look and there's five toss-up games that win Three games you said at LSU and at South Carolina, or maybe not toss-up games, but games that are, I think, you know, could really go either way uh, without being an upset. And you win three of them, you know, that's that's eight and four. And certainly I think you're capable of winning four of those games and going nine and three. And to me there is a little sense of opportunity with the fact that you have Hendon Hooker and a good senior quarterback and Cedric Tillman who, in my opinion, is the best receiver in the SEC. And – Sure, you would envision the defense getting better as you get more talent into the into the system and into the program, but that's not a given. It, it isn't, and I think it's it's hard for me not to see Tennessee taking a little bit of a step back next season just because you have to replace him in Hooker, so I think there is kind of a little bit sense of, yeah, let's be greedy. I mean, this is a team that's good enough to win nine games. Why not be able to go out there and do it with a senior quarterback and a lot of returning guys on the offense? and three of those games being at home. Uh, so it's certainly uh, – I think you're right. Eight and four to me wouldn't be disappointing getting one game more, but I do certainly think there's, like, a sense of opportunity that you may not have for a couple of years. Uh, and, again, I think the Florida game is a big part of that because Tennessee's head coach, like, even as much as Tennessee struggled – And early in your tenure, you will have leeway. But at the end of the day, like it's Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Those are the games that you're paid to win when you're a Tennessee head coach. And Georgia and Alabama are going to be really damn hard to beat anytime you see them. So to get Florida this year with Billy Napier at home, it just feels like uh, in a senior quarterback who's one of the best in the SEC, it just feels like a huge opportunity. And really, I think at the end of the year, a lot of how people view this season will will come down to what happens uh, in Knoxville on September 24th.
0: Dude, and I don't care how Anthony Richardson <laughs> played this past week. He's gonna, uh, he's gonna play like he's, he's a Heisman play when he comes to the Knoxville. Against, yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> he is. No. Yeah. And it's just like all the running quarterbacks, ones that like weren't even huge running quarterbacks. That Tennessee played last year, like torched them. Like
0: Will Levis I mean, ran t- for t- way t- more t-
2: yards. T- than and that Bennett game.
3: like ran all over us. I feel like. Yeah, Dude, Stetson I mean, can
0: scramble. I'll give it to him. Like Stetson Bennett knows how to make some plays. I'm I'm off the Stetson Bennett hate, and I don't think there's I mean, a I lot of hate him. But,
3: but he's definitely not that mobile of a quarterback. He can scamper. Yeah, he can scamper against. against he can the scamper,
2: balls. but the problem promise Anthony Richardson can do a lot more than scamper. Oh yeah, so, no, yeah, correct. It's yeah. the fact that you know Stetson, Will Levis, and Matt Corral, who was a better runner than both those guys, and I'm a huge Matt Corral guy. But those guys just. Torch had their best run game and Bryce Young last year. All four of those guys had their best rushing game in a season against Tennessee.
1: Dang, that's a stat. It seems like a trend though. So, like, yeah, it had to be attributed to Tennessee scheme wise. Yeah. No, but they mean, may have been invited that a little bit more by trying, you know, sometimes when you're under talented a little bit, you have to overcompensate to certain areas of the game where, and you've got, yeah. you're just being susceptible. Um, so it's kind of hard. I, I think Tennessee Florida game, they're kind of some tier games to me. Like, that's what we were talking about. Like, there are certain games that establish, like, tiers of the – within the division, within the conference, everything. Like, Tennessee-Florida this year is, like, a tier game to me. Like, one of them kind of needs to – like, it's going to differentiate who steps into, like, being in the higher tier of the conference. Um, And you got to beat – and it also establishes, like, program tiers. Like, in year one under a new coach, like, D- Dan Mullen got fired because he was underperforming. Like, Florida was bad. It's not like you just lost a coach – you know, you came off a national championship, he went to the NFL or something like you you're replacing a coach because performance on the field was bad. So in year one on the, of a program, a head coach in a program, they're coming to your building. You're in year three, you're ranked in the top 15. Like that's the year you have to beat Florida. Like if you can't beat Florida in year one of a head coach at home with your senior quarterback, like you said, like you don't get many opportunities. That's why you, that's what happens you lose 15 straight because you miss two opportunities like that where they should be wins. Like if, if Tennessee is actually good, if Tennessee wants to be a true top team in the East, like they have to beat Florida at home and and it's Florida. It's kind of daunting. Like I see it as a little bit of an outsider because I, I see them more objectively, but to Tennessee fans, Florida is a giant, like Florida has been so hard to beat for Tennessee harder than harder than anyone, but bam over the last 15 years. Because um, y'all have even beaten Georgia several times, like in the, especially in yeah, the last week. Yeah, but Jones three, beat
3: Georgia twice, right?
1: Yeah, so I, it's just Florida's that kind of beast? It's kind of like that – it's it's like a scary thing for the Vols to kind of vanquish. And you kind of thought they broke it open in like 2016 uh, whenever they had the 38 in a row. I'll never forget that John Reed video. Uh, 11 in a row, 11 in a row, 38 in a row. <laughs> Oh, that was epic! And that's when you just—that's a. Can you just believe? Like, if I'd asked you trajectory of the Tennessee pr- football program after the Florida Georgia week, what? Like, what you're saying? Butch Jones wins Natty's at Tennessee. Yeah. Like, oh legitimately, yeah, Every, right?
3: everyone. Well, the the Texas A&M game is what made us crumble that year when Alvin Kamara had 300 yards, but we had about five turnovers that game, lost in double overtime or something. Was it? Seven. It was five, seven. seven turnovers,
2: seven turnovers, and the game went into overtime.
3: Oh, wow. God. yeah, that uh, and I just we even had the, 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 the peanut punch, um, to out and right next to the end zone. And you think when things like that happen, okay, this is the Cinderella season, this is when the ball starts bouncing <laughs> our way. Uh, it's a natty like a
2: 38 yard field goal to win, too, for the game to go to overtime, yeah. And, well, and
3: didn't
0: Dobbs wasn't that it was a bad interception that he threw, wasn't it on like first down or something? Or am I yeah, imagining? I think that? so.
2: I think it was like the first play, of second overtime. Yeah, well, it just, first play at Tennessee having I mean, the ball. I think a And M already scored a touchdown.
0: Yeah, it just and it was just over like that. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" It, I was.
2: Well, I don't know if you remember this, Will. I was at y'all's house watching that game.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I forgot about that. Oh, Dang. that anyway, was... anyway, anyway, anyway,
3: gotta, Tennessee...
1: <laughs> <laughs> gotta be Gators at home,
3: but yeah, See, I mean,
1: you be, you win that game. I don't. I don't really know Tennessee's schedule super well. But I mean, you win that game, and you're. Who are they playing this week? It's at Akron. 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 The okay, biggest,
3: so. uh, biggest uh, uh amount of points we've ever been favorite uh, favorites by. I think what it's minus it? minus fifty. I want to say.
2: Sort of open that, yeah. That's yeah, deep. minus fifty. So that's the that's highest
3: uh, point uh, differential Vols have ever had in their history.
1: Uh, yeah. So you beat you win that one. You beat Florida. What are you five and zero? Four and zero. Four and zero, 0 by week. Four and zero, and you've already beaten Pitt and Florida, and it's like. All right, this season has real in a season that you thought had possibility, it has real possibility at that point. Um and then it's an eight game season again, like, you know, with some yeah. tough games we'll in, in there we'll but,
3: be in the top ten at that point. Yeah, I think. Cause yeah. I mean 15 right now, right?
1: Yeah. Arkansas is kind of 0. sitting in a, a very, very similar spot. Uh they got A&M in two weeks. Um, and if they can beat A&M, they will have already won. It'd be two and a they'd be four and oh, two wins in the SEC and a win over a ranked Cincinnati squad um and that just be a really then you you know you have all this preseason expectation and we as fans have even more on our particular teams and then you actually start 4-0 and it's like all right like let's get serious like let's we're a top 10 team in the nation we got Bama coming to town like let's get real serious real quick um and that's that's so exciting it's so incredible to see in you're, you're you're four of Sam – no, you're three of Sam Pittman. My goodness, he works fast. Mm. My God, he works fast. In three years at Arkansas, we've been ranked in the top ten in two of those years. Arkansas had not won an SEC game in two years before he got to this program. Oh, I'm aware. We were on the brink of death. And now well, we're in the top should have been
3: relegated at that point.
1: <laughs> hey, No, I had an idea. While we were talking about earlier – um, what if we college football as a community, we ostracized Alabama and Georgia? We did a backwards relegate. Like we relegated them upwards and we just became we said, no, y'all have Let's your chi-
3: pro teams.
1: Yeah, y'all y'all go. <laughs> y'all play we're, each other 12 times a year. And we'll we're deciding it. our champion. The people's champion is the rest of everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Y'all have kind of leveled up. Yeah, you have leveled up. What if there was like a Champions League? And so like you win, you know, you win the natty
0: and you get to move up.
1: Yeah. So now it's like Florida, you know, or Georgia, Alabama, I don't know, Ohio state Clemson. And they're just in their own little champions league. Yeah. 14 league, you know, go have your fun and play the people's champion. You know, you play the other teams they get to decide who gets to face the, face the conquerors. But uh, I don't know, just make, it would make it a little more exciting. Although Arkansas has finally reached elite level. Like, pretty much like already on that stage, I would say like two time, at least kind of two or three time national champs. But uh, I pretty much say we're right there on par with Georgia and Alabama and okay. the nation will see that on October 1st. Um, not only are we on par with Alabama, we're two touchdowns better than Alabama. Um, and that before program, or
2: after Is that before or after <laughs>
1: equating you in the
2: building. <laughs>
1: that's, <laughs> that's after. Okay. Okay. We're only a 10 point favorite if I'm uh, if I'm elsewhere. But if I'm yeah. if I'm in the if I'm in Donald W. Reynolds, that's two touchdown favorite. Um, Seven, now we I'm,
0: do have to give you props. Uh, we'll we'll move in. I guess the last college game. Yeah, we'll let's talk give me about props. before we do a little NFL talk and then come back around to college. We do have to give Seth some props because he did uh, talk all about how Notre Dame was not good. And we we argued. We said they played Ohio State. I mean, they played them tough, so they they're probably pretty good again. Not the case. They were straight dog water against Marshall. That was. I didn't even really watch the game, and then I go, "Oh my gosh, they're like losing." And I turn it on, and they throw that pick six to Marshall. I mean, that was crazy. And I kind of hate it because I like this uh, Marcus Freeman guy, and I mean, maybe he still can turn it around, but that's a tough look, man, right off the bat.
1: Yeah. And let's be real, I didn't necessarily predict them losing to Marshall. Um, I did not go that far. I didn't even really think that far. But I did recognize, because I have eyes and a brain, that Notre Dame was not very impressive. Like, no, Ohio State's defense was given up, like, the last thing I remember of Ohio State's defense is them giving up, like, 700 rushing yards to Michigan in the last game. Like, their defense was a sieve. They were giving up like 40 to 50 points a game. And then against Utah, they gave up, I don't know how much. That game was a crazy shootout. Yeah, you got a different defensive coordinator and everything, but it's week one still. You're not going to be that cohesive of a unit. And they looked just like the 85 Bears against Notre Dame's offense. And I think it was way more of a testament to just Notre Dame was just bad. And that's exactly what I said. I said, I'm going to be really frustrated when Notre Dame is still a top 10 team in the country when all that they've put on tape after being previously overhyped, when all that they've put on tape is a pathetic offense and, like, a loss by double digits. Like, that's all that they've done in the season. That's all their body of work. Because you just think Ohio State's so great, you're going to value that over anything else. So what they do? They move down to eighth. All that they've done in the year, they've done – because preseason rankings we know are just so volatile. Like, nothing, nothing really is – you know, everything's wrong pretty much. Um, But just because, oh my, their preseason expectation is number five and all they do is lose a game. And now, oh, they're just number eight in the country. That's just insane, insane media bias. First of all, like true, like that doesn't happen. A team, first of all, Notre Dame wasn't even that good last year. They were pretty good. They had a pretty good record, but they lost their head coach. Their offense wasn't anything special. They got beaten by two touchdowns to Cincinnati like one of the better teams they played at home, like to lose by two touchdowns at home to Cincinnati, like you're not that, I don't know, you're not that good. Anyway, it was just unreasonable that ranked number five. I saw it with my own eyes. I said, look, you're giving them props for losing by double digits. They're just not very good. Like they're just purely not good. And they're going to stay in the top 10 after losing. And look what happened. I mean it just worked itself out, so I didn't have to worry too much about it. I don't gotta I don't gotta bicker about it for a while, but uh yeah, I didn't even I did not predict them to lose to Marshall. Just what a win for the for the herd.
3: Thundering herd. I love That's some game awesome. lose. Yeah.
1: They're still are they still ranked? Mm, I hope I don't they, I don't think I so. I hope. If they were still ranked after starting 0 2, I would actually start I would Someone I would like short circuit. That's actually like I can't even think what I would do. That would make me so not even mad because I don't care. It's just stupid, it's just dumb. It's just purely wrong. Well, maybe that's it all.
0: was A and M is still like or A&M's ranked. 24.
1: Or something.
3: Yeah, and yeah. is 24. We're gonna get another ranked win next week.
1: That's awesome. See, that's stupid too. All they've done is be very just because you thought they were gonna be the sixth best team in the country, all they've done is look pretty mediocre against Sam Houston State and get manhandled by Appalachian State. And they're still, I, they're not.
2: Oh my God. Frustrating. I got Mississippi State's. I'm looking at the, I've seen the eight people, but hadn't seen the other receiving votes. Uh, Mississippi State's 31st. I just don't, I don't get that. I don't, I don't see who the 30 teams they think are better than Mississippi State is. Well, a Texas m the they think is
1: better. State. Yeah. And, and <laughs> just,
2: I, I mean, there, I will give the voters some credit. Like 26 on here is Marshall and 20 is Appalachian State. So they gave love the
1: team to the teams who pulled the upsets. But I don't know. See, I don't, even the I don't Appalachian State, State one to State. me is like their body worked their one and one. They gave up 60. They, just because they beat AM doesn't dismiss the fact that they gave up 60 points to North Carolina.
0: It's this a is problem 10. with the preseason rankings.
2: Yeah. And that isn't a rebuttal to rebuttal that point, but I'll tell you this much Drake may made my favorite quarterback in the country. That Dude, guy is good. He's good. He didn't I, just agree. Put, I watched a lot of that App State game. And obviously, three points put up big numbers. But I mean, he made some big time throws into some yeah. tight
1: windows. I mean, he's he's impressive. I like him a lot. That's an interesting North Carolina family legacy now with two sports. You don't often see that. Like sometimes you'll see, you know, several brothers play somewhere, play basketball or all play football at a school. But like you rarely see one guy play basketball, one guy play football, and at a high level at a school like North Carolina. Yeah, like to be a one of the stars on a on their basketball team and then your brother's the starting quarterback or whatever. Uh I guess they're brother they are brothers, right? Yeah. They're not like cousins or something. Matter brothers. Nice. That's yeah. cool. Shout out. Hit a game when
2: he shot to go to beat Kentucky and go to the, the final four.
1: That was big like, time.
2: And now and now be quarterback and I don't know he'd probably jump in the gun, but chance to be a you know First round draft pick in a couple years, potentially. Like, yeah, I mean, he
1: looks the part so pretty far. Pretty big
2: time, pretty big time family teams right
1: there. Yeah. What did yeah. uh, who did North Carolina play this last week? Georgia State. They played the Georgia State. They, they almost lost game, to Georgia it? State again. Yeah,
3: too. 35-28, Right.
1: Nice. Yeah. Mac Brown just knows how to win, though, baby. He just what? knows how to
3: win.
2: How about North Carolina State playing in Boone and historic Turner Field? They're on the road <laughs> the first two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> half state. I mean, what? Who's doing the scheduling?
0: I was I'm talking tired. to I was talking to Douglas Valentine, who's a big big Tar Heel fan, and that I, actually he, is insane. He was like, "I think it was." He was like, "I think it was just supposed to maybe look kind of better because there were road games." And I'm like, "Yeah, but it's App State and
1: Georgia State. Like, I don't think being on that, the road necessarily that's a like, lose lose situation. Like, yeah, that is not a winning situation for no. anybody involved. What like, I App think State,
2: is, I, I guess they're just trying to like be nice." In state school, we'll get big game, you'll able to sell a lot of tickets. Like, sure, like that still seems like a bad idea, in my opinion, especially to play a team as good as App State on the road. But, like, I mean, I mean, if I'm Mac Brown, I'm going in the freaking president's office and saying, Fire the freaking AD. You play <laughs> a two group of five games on the road to start the season. That's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. Where they <laughs> my favorite part of college football, though? And I mean, I guess basketball too, but pay buy games that get when you lose and, and it comes out, it's like A&M paid Appalachian state $1.5 million to come pay, play this game. And they hand them an embarrassing L and like, that's just, that's just sucks. I mean, never, we're going to get to, we're going to get to the Huskers soon. All <laughs> right. the Scott Frost era.
0: I yeah. Before, cool. before we do that, we'll hop into a little NFL. Um, I guess we can kick it off. Actually, let's talk, I will say this: It looks like I'm going to beat Seth in fantasy this week. Ne- really, Seth, he caught a bad, uh, just a bad break on a bunch of guys. Um, but yeah, my team, really my that. team, I-
1: even though they had decent stats, some of them, none, no one scored a touchdown, like just really- zero touchdowns on my whole team. I mean, Lamar Jackson had a few, but even he, have he only had like though. 20 points. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was just it was the dep- it was like wow, these you know. Several guys had like 7 or 8 catches and no touchdowns. That's like almost hard to you don't it doesn't happen that often. It's yeah. frustrating. Frustrating. Just Mason like with the team. Titans. Just underwhelming, disappointing, frustrating performances all around. Yeah, I'll talk into one. the
0: Titans. Yeah, I've got to talk Titans.
1: <sighs> yeah, I mean,
0: I was there. Oh. It was disgusting. Titans get up, I mean, 13 nothing and you're feeling pretty good. I wasn't I wasn't counting I wasn't counting my uh chickens or anything just yet, but I mean, you think 13 to nothing defense,
3: you feel, you feel pretty good. Giants don't look that great. good.
0: Uh, what the defense through the, through was through just... the first
3: half, our defense was dominated. Big Jeff with what do you have two or three sacks, the force fumble? Um, in the first half, uh, my goodness, we look good, but yeah, 13 was not enough. We need to step on the gas,
0: yeah. And even when you know the Giants get down there and you catch a break, you know, you muff a punt. And then you catch a break because you make a play and intercept in the end zone. You basically wipe that mistake away and you still just give them a chance to get in. And my whole thing, I said this before, before we got on, it seems like this is such a recurring theme with the Titans. We refuse to just step on their throats. We get up and are content with just being up by a couple scores where, I mean, you're totally susceptible to someone coming back on you. And I, I'm personally blaming Todd Downing. I don't think the play calls are there. I think, I mean, we kind of said it, Seth, in one of our group texts, no one on the offense really played that bad. I mean, it seemed like and everyone played, played okay.
1: Well.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he'll it all like, I mean, well, we didn't... but he
1: also missed a few th- – like, he missed a few short throws on critical downs. or When we could have extended – you know, you're kind of talking about extending the lead. Like, that's when I felt like he faltered a little bit on a few th- – because that's all it takes is a few third-down throws to be bad, and it, like, kills drives. And that because that's how the Titans often set up, it's so boring, and they want to get you in like third and four or third and three. Like, that's that's where they want to be, and you got to hit those what, throws. And that's what they did. Yeah, and
2: that's I mean, that's the thing. Like, when your whole offense is predicated on not getting first downs, but getting yourself in the third and short, the third and five, and you do that, and you're terrible on third downs, like, what it's just, it's not, it's not good. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad when that's and that's exactly what happened. Titans were terrible in those downs. And Terrible. Todd Downing, very bad. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The Jet Suite or the Titan reverse. Oh, was that was four. the worst.
3: That was the worst play call of the night. And
2: bad as that was, I'll give this one to the edge. But when we again ten nothing, get a touchdown, it, it, the game's probably not over. But it feels like, without as good as your defense playing, you go by three scores in the second quarter. The game's basically over, and you have them second and six. In the red zone, and you're running 13 personnel with Cody Hollister on the field on second and third downs. That's inexcusable. In a roll, during a roll out the Derrick Henry three yards short of the sticks on that third down. Like that's just it's it. T- that was that made me just as mad as the is yeah. the quick tight end reverse like that. Traylon Burke. I mean, you trade AJ Brown, and I thought Traylon Burke played well when he was in, but Traylon Burks is playing 17 snaps. 17 yeah. snaps. He can't yeah. play. He's not on the field over N.W.I. on a game winning drive. Really, like that's. I don't know if that's what Trey, you blame the Trey Burke, Birch for that. I don't know if you blame the coaches for that, but that's ridiculous. Like that, yeah. that can't happen. And again, I thought Traylon Burch played well when he was in. But when you're, it goes into a bigger issue uh, with the Titans and some general manager moves it to me, it looks a lot like the Cubs. I just can't figure out what the Titans are trying to do. If they're trying to rebuild, <laughs> if they're trying to be good now, because if you're paying, you're, the Titans are going all in and paying these defensive guys. While rebuilding their offense, and that's just the most flawed logic I've ever heard, because you're not going to get a good quarterback in for many years. To you're not going to have a quarterback who can be at a high level, Super Bowl winning, place in many years. You're punting on being even good on offense when you trade AJ Brown, when you won't pay your start, the best receiver in franchise history. And I'll go to my grave saying, if you didn't have the money for him, you shouldn't have re Harold Landry because you're already signed you already gave Bud Dupree big money and you've got to give Jeffrey Simmons big money. It just makes no sense. These moves make no sense. And John Robinson, he's done a lot of good things with the Titans GM, but it's just been a bad decision after bad decision and contradictory decision after contradictory decision the last two years.
0: I think that's what's bothered me the most is just how contradictory it's all been. No, yeah. I mean I mean you said it all I can't really <laughs> I can't really add anything to it because yeah that's that's it. But that's what's yeah, bothered that me smart. so much. I, Shumba, I never really thought about it until now. But, yeah, I don't – that's a very good way to kind of put it with this roster. I have no clue if we're rebuilding or if we're trying to win now because now you really are in that middle ground where it's like we're kind of good. Like, we have an elite defense, but offense is like a bunch of who – like, who is that besides Derrick Henry, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating for sure.
2: It's, a, it's like the Bears a few years ago when they went all in on Khalil Mack. and. Yep. Granted, I mean, that made more sense because they thought they had their quarterback. Like, I understood that logic. They're going to build with Mitch. They're going to have a really good defense. The offense will get better and catch up. But the Titans aren't even at that stage where they're in the rebuilding with the offense. They don't have the rookie quarterback. And he, by the time the offense is good, all the guys that you just gave big money on defense are going to be aging and not good. And it just doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, it's. Ooh, this is going to be a tough one for me to really say. Um, but we might have missed our our window. Like last year was a Super Bowl on a golden platter for the Tennessee Titans. I'm I'm not kidding. Like that was. No, I mean, Super that was our bad. best shot.
3: I mean, that was our best shot. But I don't think you can ever say the words "Super Bowl" and "golden platter" um, in, in the same sentence. Is there.
1: it ever going to be easier to like? It, are we ever going to have an easier path to win the Super Bowl?
3: You had to be.
2: I mean, just I mean, you had one game to win to get to an AFC Championship game at home, and you played a Bengals team whose offensive line was so—I
3: mean, we murdered them. Match.
2: I mean, we, the Titans' defensive line was just so much better. I mean, there was no answers. It just goes back to all last year it was so frustrating when Derrick Henry and AJ Brown were out. Those games, and again, uh, Hill played good, fine yesterday. You know, he wasn't the problem yesterday, so I don't want to bash on him. But you just don't turn the ball over in those games down the stretch. You just win all those games. The Steelers game, the Texans game. Uh, you win those games, and then obviously the freaking Bengals. You had nine sacks, and you didn't win. I mean, that's, that's mind-boggling. And, that's yeah, I mean, though. to Seth's point, yeah. who knows if they beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, but you had to beat a team that you were better than at home to have a home AFC Championship game. And to Seth's point, the Titans aren't ever going to have a,
1: a better path than that. Like, I mean, we're not – we're not going to – we could win – uh, we still are the favorite to win the AFC South, in my opinion. I mean, what an absolute dumpster fire of, of a division. So we should still win the yep. AFC South. I, I believe that. I think we are the best team, which is – Nine or ten I'm wins fool, wins but the I'm division. Not, but, I think. Yeah, you just go five and one versus other terrible teams, and you're just in the driver's seat to win the division. Like, be, honestly, win all the games at home if you can't beat the Jags Texans and Colts at home and then win two out of three on the road, like that's not unfeasible um, to do, even going like four and two just puts you way ahead in the division. Um, so you win that and you host a playoff game, but just like, it's going to be hard winning, winning the AFC was no small feat um, to do that and clinch home field advantage. Like it, we're just not going to have home field advantage very often. Um, and, and you kind of, you, you said Ryan Tannehill didn't play bad. And yeah, that's fair. But I think that's where we get caught in the Ryan Tannehill like era very often is like, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, maybe he wasn't the problem, but he also like could have led us to get up by 20 points or more. Like, you know, he's still the quarterback on those drives when we don't score. Um, and he made some bad throw. He threw a few short. It was the short throws that he threw almost in the ground that were worrisome to me. Um, like he's pretty throws a. I don't know. He, he wasn't bad. Didn't throw any interceptions. And like, that's what we really ask him to do. That's what we asked him to do, which I think we're all pointing back to last season's frustrations too. Cause that if we, if he had had that game, he had Sunday, we were playing for the AFC championship last season. Like if he just has a pretty good mediocre game, we're winning that game, like probably by, you know, 10 points or something. Um, but unfortunately he threw three interceptions So Tannehill kind of did what you ask him to do. Yeah. Don't make mistakes, make some plays. He had a few good plays on his feet. That first down he got um, outside the pocket is, was awesome. Like he, that, that is a play that not many quarterbacks in the NFL make. And that does can help you extend drives. And that's honestly when he's always been kind of the most fluid in our offense is when he is using his wheel, his legs a little more often. I think it really might help him kind of, I don't know, just get in kind of the rhythm of the game a little bit more to, Get down, get get running, and he's effective. He's a, he's very effective when he runs. Um, yeah, Downing is Downing is disappointing because he was the problem. Like even bigger than Tannehill in that championship game. Yes, Tannehill's the one that actually threw three interceptions. But the vi- like, and I've said it before on here, the video of the Cincinnati players talking about how they knew what was going on is the biggest inadequacy you can ever have as an offensive coach. Like, if the players on the field in, in live time know what you are about to run, you are broken offensively. Like, your offensive system does not work unless you are the greatest. Like, yeah, if unless you're the greatest offensive line ever and you're saying, yeah, they're running A-gap and we cannot stop it. Like, if you know what the other team is running, like Todd, Todd Downing put Tannehill, who's not really in a position to really overcome bad coaching, bad situational coaching, you put him in a bad situation, yeah. He's, it's gonna it's gonna end up in bad results, um, and so it's just it's a combination of frustrating factors. You feel like the right the best players aren't playing the most snaps, and that's one thing I hope can get corrected um, because you saw how effective the rookie, rookie wide receivers were, um, and even Traylon Burks got five five targets. He had three receptions, one pass that could have been a pass interference, absolutely where a guy yeah, got essentially took his legs out on a deep ball where he had big separation um, where that was impressive. Like he, he easily separated from that corner and really did Tannehill. Didn't give him a chance on the ball in the end zone um, either. That was technically a target, but not really catchable. Um, and Kyle Phillips looked good. Now he muffed that punt, but other than that had a really strong game. Um, and then, yeah, you see guys like Westbrook Akina made a great catch across the middle, but that was the only impact he was on the game. I mean, he like, where that's your starting wide receiver. Like put Traylon in. Like at least he's a threat to make a play. Um, and I think I think that evolves. I always kind of said that. I figured Traylon Burks would be kind of our true number one receiver as the season progresses. I just think in games the talent comes out, like the cream rises to the crop. Um, Robert Woods was a little underwhelming, Austin Hooper a little underwhelming, but but target him. God, like target Austin Hooper instead of targeting Jeff play. Swain. We threw like five passes to Jeff Swain, who yeah, is did. the most ineffective receiver on the face. Like you. C- oh, my God. <laughs> like, I cannot believe we were target. He just looks so inept. And yeah, he probably is a good blocking tight end because he's huge and can't move, which makes him a terrible receiver. Oh, my. It's so fresh. Like you drafted Chick, a playmaker at tight end. You have, you, you signed Austin Hooper and then who got the most reps at tight end and who got the most passes and targets at tight end Jeff Swaim. Are you kidding me? Like that is coaching malpractice. That is that is pathetic coaching. Oh yeah. That was one of the
0: biggest question marks for me as well.
1: Like what? Four targets
2: for the four targets for the two starting receivers, two for Robert Woods and two for Westbrook King. Your your
1: third tight end, your third best pass catching tight end has as many targets as your starting two receivers. You have a problem. Like, that is an issue. And that's an issue with coaching. That is 100% an issue with coaching. Dontrell Hilliard scored two touchdowns on 11 snaps, and you only play him 11 snaps. Like, uber uber productive. He dropped one pass. He did drop one third down catch, but he probably wasn't getting the first down. He might have got the first down. Um, but still, just uber productive, and you only play him a lot. Use that guy more, like you obviously trust him in the oh, oh, just so and and still had a chance to win. Like we have a even the end is coaching. Even the end just blows my brains. It blows my mind how inept we were in the end of that game. Because after all that, it doesn't matter. You have a drive to win the game. Decent drive down. Really good play to Kyle Phillips. You're, you've put yourself in good position, but you still have time on the clock and a timeout. Well, you almost get a delay of game. Like, what are we doing? Get to the line and let's go. Like, yeah, you are in field goal range, but it's like this. anything can happen. Like, let's go. Let's punch in another 10 yards. Let's take a shot at the end zone. Why not? Like, That's they're not even I wanna, really I thinking about play. the end zone. Throw a deep it, ball, to, like jump ball, not a jump ball, but throw a deep ball to Traylon. Let him maybe make a play. Or, or throw it, you know, where no one can catch it and then or get closer. Like, that was my uh, thing. Just, I was yeah, like, go get 10 yards yards another 10 yards and call play. timeout. They blew they their last the timeout.
2: timeout. They should have eaten, the, eaten the delay game because it's a five, It's NFL. It's a five-yard penalty. You had 18 seconds and a timeout. If you had the timeout 18 seconds, you could run two more plays. You should be betting on yourself to get five yards and two plays. Yeah. And then and you yards. just handicapped yourself. And then you ran a play to set up the field goal in which you lost three yards. You lost
1: play. four, three or four yards. Are you kidding it's, me? See, I and
3: then, even
2: and then see you that end
1: up, that game. kick is like 44 yards. Maybe that squeezes in. Like that click kick was pretty close. Maybe it's just a little bit like you run calling a timeout to run that play. And then spiking the ball to lose another yard was just the most asinine thing I've, I've seen in a long time. And you know, for, like variable has done, we've won a lot of close games like that's not really been the titans issue but it was just so deflating to just be leading that game 59 minutes then take a lead on a two point conversion on which there was a pretty blatant missed holding call and yeah. who who is number 53 cole how is he out there Feeling with the cold. game on the line are we that bad like is, our, are we, <laughs> is that no I'm, I'm dead serious like is our personnel that bad he I had linebacker,
2: linebacker, you have two backup linebackers hurt. So I think it was like a goal, goal line formation. And he's, yeah, I mean, you have the two backup, both the backup linebackers aren't playing right now. So, yeah, I think behind David Long and Zach Cunningham, who was awful. I cannot express how bad Zach Cunningham was in that game yesterday. Uh, the linebackers behind those two guys are pretty short end of the stick.
1: Well, he, it was it was awful. And Saquon is a beast. Like, yeah, to Saquon's his, like, back. He's back. Uh, yeah, no, Saquon looked th- – that was one thing I took from the game was like Saquon is legit. Like he, he is back. Like he looks really good, which is encouraging. Honestly, like, yeah, I wanted to win the game, but you want to see guys who are that high level of players like be healthy and play well. Um, yeah. So it was fun to watch like us play against him. Um, and, yeah, but there was a pretty big big hold there on uh, now what he you have made the tackle short of the goal line. I don't know, maybe – but he also, cold took out David Long coming for the – like, <laughs> it was just such – such it was such bad position. Like, just ah, – just so yeah. frustrating. Good thing we get 16 more chances. You know, I mean, let's be honest. The preseason, like, it's three games, and the starters don't even really play. Like, Tannehill didn't play a preseason game. Like, they literally actually have not played. So, I'm not going to get too up in arms. It's just a huge wasted opportunity on a tough schedule. Yeah. Um, I think that's really the worst part. We kind of said that before we started taping here, but, um, you know, giving up an opportunity like that against a pretty weak opponent. Now, I mean, honestly, I don't see anything stopping the Giants from competing in the NFC East. I don't see a team that's going to run away Especially with that with division. Dax, uh, Dax Hurd, Prescott command. On, yeah. I mean, the Carson Wentz, you know, I mean, that can't go well. And the Eagles should be pretty strong, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, all they did was barely beat Detroit. Uh, so I'm not going to get too carried away with them, but uh, Giants can be pretty decent. But long season, long season, just really, really a bummer uh, overall. A bummer to just come off such a frustrating and long off season and just have a just bizarre loss that you never should have lost. Like you just, you just should not have lost. You're up 13 to nothing, and with multiple chances to pull ahead farther than that, you got to do it. Like you got to because we saw it pretty much two plays got them back in that game one really long run and one bomb pass play that was just kind of blown. But at the same time, like I can't even fault, like I mean, I can fault Fulton, like that stuff does happen, you know. But,
0: um, uh, I mean, I will I say the can't most fault, Fulton, <laughs> yeah. was his fault. the most dangerous most <laughs> thing like
1: ever would be just to go into <laughs> Buffalo on Monday and win. So, yeah, we'll I'm not ruling that out for sure because I mean, they're coming off like the NFL is so up and down, like. You just hit on a few um, – I don't know, your schemes kind of fit better that day and you could – you know, obviously we we have talented players. We got a good defense, so we can stay in the game and make a few more plays offensively. Henry, would. it would be nice to see him bust one long. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen that since he came back from injury. I'm not saying it's because he's not – he looked pretty strong. I thought he ran pretty well um, for first action. Like, like him not having a preseason is different too. Like he's not – I mean, it's been a while and he only played one game after injury. And then, you know, a long offseason of, I don't know, just different. He's getting into it and not everything. But um, I think the Titans will be all right. If that I think that's why it's the most frustrating is because I think they should be still pretty good just because of our defense and enough talent on offense. And you have Derrick Henry. I mean, you should like that. That does go for something in your offense. Um, and there's enough. There's enough people to make plays on the outside, I think. Yeah. Oh,
2: no. That's, that's my concern.
0: Yeah,
2: um, give us your
0: uh, – yeah, give us your final thoughts on the game, and then if you want to push anything you got coming out soon, let us know where we can find your stuff. But, yeah, give us – if you have any final thoughts on the Titans game, let us know, and then we'll let you get on out of here.
2: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I was going to hit on, and, and Seth let us to it, was how bad I thought taking that time out – or, yeah, taking the time out instead of seeing the delay game was. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think with the Titans as a whole, like – How much – how quickly can Trelon Burks and Kyle Phillips get a lot better? Because right now, like, the current state of the Titans receiver core, to me, it's like a bottom five receiver core in the NFL. Now, it could quickly play itself, I think, into the middle of the pack if those two guys develop and have good seasons. But that's the big question. And there's just not a lot of – just like the stat they showed at the game, the stat that we've seen all offseason, like, there's just not many guys that have caught passes from Ryan Tannehill in this offense. So, it's going to be a lot different, hopefully – Hopefully, they'll, they'll turn around, like I said, it'd be very tight and to win to win this Monday. Uh, and if not after that, I mean, you got four games after that, Raiders, Colts, all team, commanders, not the football team, commanders, and then Colts again. I mean, all four of those games are winnable. And if you, I mean, those Colts games are the biggest of the year, I mean, as they typically are. So we'll see. I'm not punting it in by any means yet, but certainly a frustrating one. And, yeah, uh, find – all my work over at RockyTopInsider.com, Rocky Top Insider on all all socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok now, even though I can't say I've ever been on the on the I'm not running the show on the RTI uh TikTok account, but we got one. Um and yeah, plenty of stuff from Pitt kind of re- looking at that game and, and then stuff moving on. You know, we'll have stuff looking at Akron this week as the 50 point point spread says. I don't expect that to be too much, and then it'll be uh It'll be a crazy train in Knoxville next week as, as the Gators come to town.
1: You think awesome. um, what do you think the opening spread on Florida Tennessee will be? And what's your tentative um, kind of prediction there?
2: Yeah, I think Tennessee will be like a three point favorite. And I uh, don't know. i I think it, I
1: think they'll be high. I think they'll be I think it'll be five.
3: Uh,
1: it'll be know, what, to me
2: it'll be it'll be a fill. it'll be a somewhere from like a field goal less than a touchdown yeah uh,
1: well, all right. and I'm, yeah I'm i mean
2: right. i don't know it's i'm kind of in the i'm gonna have to see tennessee beat florida on a little bit more regular basis before i pick them unless tennessee is just a lot better which i think they are better but not by a lot and i still think there's a lot of questions about tennessee's defense and their offensive line as a whole like i think there's a lot of similarities i've seen a lot of people compare arkansas and tennessee and i think it's probably an obvious comparison to new coaches and stuff got on offense but like that's what's been so impressive to me about Arkansas and Sam Pittman. Like, it's a football in the SEC. It's a line of scrimmage game, and like Tennessee's doing a lot of stuff to be good outside. Like, we're not very good on the line of scrimmage, and Tennessee's able to scheme some stuff and be successful in spite of that. Arkansas is good on both lines of scrimmage. They're they're big time physicality. I mean, they can. And to me, if you're really going to win the real, be the real, really good teams, the very top teams in the league, you got to have that. So that's kind of a long meandering me touching on a lot of different subjects, but that's what we got. And, uh, should be, uh, should be a fun football season.
0: Heck yeah. Shump. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Always, uh, always enjoy it. And I'll have to be, uh, I'll have to tune in after this and and hear Wolf's thoughts on the, on the
1: Huskers. Oh, Oh, heck yeah. We're getting into it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. This is about to get, I'm going to have to turn on some sad music. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe not though. I don't in, know the an energy
2: drink. Put on a pot of, pot of coffee. It's time to get into the good stuff.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a lot to say. Uh, we're we're getting into it. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Sean. All right, boys. As I, I imagine, our hardcore listeners have been waiting for this. Yeah. <laughs> so in case you were uh, under a rock this past weekend. My uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers lost a heartbreaker to Georgia Southern in just awful fashion. Most points, I mean, most yards ever given up at Memorial Stadium, I believe. I don't want to say ever. Maybe to like a non. No, honestly, maybe ever. Maybe ever, which is crazy to say. Uh, Also, broke a couple other records the Huskers had never were undefeated when scoring 35 plus at Memorial Stadium it was like 114 and 0 or something crazy like that offensively good we'll give them that Casey Thompson yeah he's pretty good we got some good receivers Anthony Grant keeps running for over 100 yards so uh, we got some players but nonetheless i mean Georgia Southern punted one time that was it uh they threw two picks so that was all we had and i'll tell you what one thing, no no one's really asked me yet, but maybe a good question would have been, like, if Nebraska pulls that out, like, if they win 45-42 or 49-45 or whatever, is Frost still fired? And I, I have to think yes, honestly. Like, I, I think, no, I, I think so. I think, because apparently there's rumors out here that the coaching search started a couple weeks ago after that loss to Northwestern. So I think... A, a game that was pretty close to North Dakota. I mean, you basically, you kind of scored s- trash touchdowns to extend the lead and make it look good on paper. And then you come out and just, I mean, just make Georgia Southern look like Ohio state playing offense against you. I mean, it was disgusting to watch chairs were thrown. I had to apologize to my wife for just overreacting to this stupid game. I love, uh, But no, I mean, there's a lot to get into. I might even just have you all ask me some questions because I don't, I don't even know where to begin. But I I will say this, just to start it off, I still love Scott Frost. I think there's a lot of Husker fans that love Scott Frost, and it, I mean, there's when you start when you look at it from the beginning, it made so much sense to hire the guy. I mean, he's super hot, hometown guy, and I think that's what makes it really tough on guys because I've heard some Tennessee fans compare it hey, it'd be like if we hired Peyton Manning and he came and did a bad job. It's almost even worse because Scott Frost is like born and raised like from Wood River, Nebraska. His parents coached at the school and everything. He grew up going to that university, ends up actually going to Stanford, transferring back. The prodigal son returns, wins a national championship. Is just what Nebraska is all about. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And it was time to cut ties. I mean, obviously, I even the most Scott Frost, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, the most pro Scott Frost fans of the Huskers even had to obviously be like, all right, yeah, time to go. It's not going to work. There's a whole thing about, hey, you could have saved seven and a half million if you waited till October 1st. Yeah, I get it. It's seven and a half million, but my, like, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of money, but obviously, like, if they're willing to do that and they're about to go give whatever next coach probably a blank check, like, it really was not a big deal. And I, I saw that. Not everyone was saying it, but there was very mixed opinions on that. And I'm that was not a concern of mine. Like, let's go ahead. Let's see if we can salvage somewhat of a season or get some kind of momentum going just get it out start fresh right now and start looking for a coach be the first one on the block so uh, y'all can give your thoughts or ask me some questions i can go into kind of my short list here in a second but yeah y'all, y'all's thoughts
3: i mean yeah i i texted you Well, like is frost gone uh that saturday night after they lost and you were pretty certain about it and uh i was already talking about Frost being gone after this year. I d- I didn't think it was going to be this quick, but I was talking about potentially Urban Meyer showing up, who I still think um I mean, I think he's uh he's your guy. Uh I don't know if uh, Nebraska will actually uh hire him or not, but um yeah, quick thoughts on I just you can go into your short list here in a little bit, but I mean, we we talked about it a little bit, but do you think there is any way Urban Meyer could end up at the the University of Nebraska?
0: Yeah, like I said, we'll get into it. The problem is Trev Albert's the AD. The first thing they asked him about was what's he looking for in a coach? And the first word that came out of his mouth was character. So I Uh... feel like that kind of keeps Urban out. Here's what I said, because I was obviously I was talking to my dad about this and everything. And he's like, dude, I don't I don't want that. That's too much baggage. He's slimy, he's sleazy. He's not really what we represent. And I get that. But if you told me that Urban Meyer was coming to Nebraska, I would not be upset. And this is what I heard a couple writers talking about on a podcast. Yeah, I was people listening are writing to. about it, huh?
3: And people like I've already seen multiple. Oh headlines. yeah,
0: no. Like- and uh, so here, here's the thing: they 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 put this out. They said, you know, say Urban Meyer comes year one, yeah, might be still might be rough just because you know the Husk we're not good. So who knows what year one would look like? But they said if Urban Meyer didn't win nine games in year two. Wouldn't you be pretty surprised? And I was like, I mean, yeah. I mean, the guy wins everywhere, even at Utah and Bowling Green and stuff. Like, if nothing yeah, else, everywhere. I know people are mad about his behavior and stuff. The guy's gonna get some recruits coming in, and the guy knows how to win. In here, here's the biggest thing that people want to talk about is Nebraska still an attractive position. You're in probably the friendliest division of the two premier conferences to really jump up and win as quickly as possible compared to the rest. Like, you're not doing that in the SEC West, obviously. You're not doing the SEC East. Big Ten East, obviously, is the same. I mean, you have Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, all over there. The West is wide open. Like, you you would get paid a ton of money, and if you just – I mean, there's still – Nebraska can still win some Big Ten games this year. That's the thing. I mean, you look at freaking Iowa. They have one touchdown in two games. Wisconsin just lost to Washington State. Northwestern just got manhandled by Duke. Those are the teams you're talking about at the top of the list. Maybe Minnesota
1: as well. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, like – What are the vibes around Nebraska football? It's kind of a two part question. Yeah. How does this
3: season finish out? This
1: kind of feels like, like a sad, like old yeller or something. Like Scott Frost was like the, he was like the golden retriever, you know, just perfect for the family, you know, thought he was, but he's not. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good metaphor, but it's just like putting down your favorite. Like, you wanted Scott Frost to win so bad, and everyone thought he would. And, yeah, he wasn't just a hot name for Nebraska. He was a hot name at every school across the country. Like, everyone wanted Scott Frost to be their head coach. Florida wanted him. Yeah, and Nebraska got him, and he's their chosen son, kind of like you said. And kind of – because this is not my belief – I still believe Nebraska is a very proud program. Like, I, there's fan base shows every week that they have a lot of pride in their football team. So that, to me, tells me that they will return to, like, being – like, there will come a day when they are, you know, validated in their pride in their program. Like, that doesn't just go away. That's instilled in who Nebraska football is. Like, they will not just allow their program to just wither away. Like, it will – It is all cyclical, and it will return. There will be good, bright days in Nebraska. That being said, if, like, Scott Frost was not the guy to do that, it seems tough to find a guy who's going to do that, if that makes sense. No, that's a very fair point. Because, yeah, you got,
0: I mean, what was, yeah, the hottest name in football, and he couldn't come do it. Now it's the argument of, you know, I mean, there there was a lot of stuff going on, obviously. Some people were wondering if he still had the respect of the players and all this stuff. And there were a lot of guys on that team that said they are there because of Frost. They said that in the summer. So I don't I don't want to go into like he lost the team or anything like that. I don't think that was the case. And then there's there's the whole thing about people were upset. He was too controlling over the offense and everything. But for me personally, I mean, you're the head coach like do you want a head coach who's not kind of doesn't think that he has the best interest in mind of everything that's going on with the football team? That was kind of my thought process. Uh, I, but I think it gets to, can you find a guy who's proven at the power five level as a head coach? Because that was one thing Scott Frost beat power five teams when undefeated, but it was group of five team group of five schedule for the most part until kind of the last, I mean, probably played two, two to three, maybe power five teams that year. Um, so I think that's what you can, that's your arguing point right there. And, and I really am falling on the whole, Hey, it just, it just didn't work for whatever reason. Like it did not happen because I could still see Scott Frost. Who knows? He might be the Alabama offensive coordinator next year, or he might be a group of five head coach and do successful and then get another shot. I mean, he's still fairly young, especially for a head coach. So and 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 that's kind of the mood around Nebraska too is everyone's like wishing him well now that it's done. Even the people that were ready for him to leave, they're still like, "Hey, I hope this guy does well." And I hope me personally, I hope the guy still feels comfortable coming back, probably not for a little bit, but I would love to have him come back to a game or something and I think you would get a standing ovation and everyone would be happy to see him cuz he's still a guy that won you a national championship if nothing yeah. else. And a guy he still that is wanted positively to positively to
1: the yeah, program.
0: Yeah. And wanted and wanted to win. Like, it's not like it's not like he did this on purpose. Like, it just didn't work
1: for whatever reason. All right. A little hypothetical here. Frost goes. Yeah. Let's say he goes. He's an offensive analyst for a year. And then, yeah, maybe he moves up to offensive coordinator there at Alabama. And then uh, so this is two, three, you know, maybe he's there for two, three years. So that's four years down the road. Then maybe he gets another chance. You know, maybe he goes to, let's say, let's let's say Big Twelve. Maybe he goes to. Hmm, it's important where where I use in this hypothetical. I think he's going to go to TCU. So let's say he's now the head coach at TCU, and let's say he has a very successful, like hyper successful four year tenure. Well, meanwhile, Nebraska was, uh, you know, maybe they hire, you know, another guy. He comes in and goes six and six for several years. Maybe squeezes in a seven and five. Then they hire another guy and maybe he goes, let's just say the timing works out. Scott, like you said, Scott Frost, very young man. Um, Sam Pittman was like almost 60 when he got hired at Arkansas. So this is eight years down the road now. Scott Frost has been an assistant at Bama, at Bama, maybe won two national championships. He's been a head coach at TCU. He's the hottest name out there again. Nick Saban's retiring, and it's either Bama or what if Scott Frost gets tenure number two? I knew I I figured you thought you knew where I was coming. Yeah, I knew where you. But were But like, with that. if eight years down the road, somehow he's proved himself, and you're like, you know what? Maybe it works this time. <laughs> And he agrees to come back. To, has anyone ever? Has that ever happened? Um,
3: uh, I mean, no, it's Johnny happened. Majors went to Pitt, Tennessee, Pitt, but I, he wasn't successful at his second tenure at Pitt, and it was just kind of a, a place to retire. But yeah,
0: uh, no, that's different. No, I feel like some someone's done that where they were, and I saw it not that long ago. Someone was fired and then actually got to come back, and I can't remember who it was. It was in college football.
1: See, like I could almost see Missouri doing that with Barry Odom or something. Like, they fire Barry Odom several years ago, and then, like, well, he's had four great years as a defensive coordinator, and then maybe he gets another head coaching job, and then they, like... I don't know if they, he would go back, but I'm just... It's a funny hypothetical. Well, because the the, <laughs> the reason it's funny is because, right, he's kind of leaving on good terms in a way
0: because everyone still likes him for the most yeah. part. They still yeah, want him I to think, succeed, right?
1: Yeah. It's almost like the ultimate, like, you know what? It's It's kind of like... I still, like, even up until this year, that's how he even got this many years because he hasn't been successful. It's like you wanted him to win so bad that you extended his chances. Like, you gave him more chances to elevate the program than really he probably even earned as your head coach because you wanted him to win so bad. Like, you wanted Scott Frost to be so successful, and it just you willed him to do it, and it just didn't
0: work. You know what? Here's what I'll say, and I actually thought about this. Have you ever seen the butterfly effect, Ashton Kutcher? uh no but i
3: have seen clips nerves. i've seen so clips. yeah so
0: basically this is a very random movie I, I wouldn't i mean it was fine i wouldn't necessarily recommend it it's fine but anyway the spoiler alert the whole kind of point of the movie it ends up you know ashton kutcher can go back in time and is change things for the better
3: like huh isn't he in prison in this movie or am i in
0: different of- yeah different i mean he can go back in time and change some like tragedies and then he goes back and sees how it like the butterfly effect, how it affected yeah, like how, so many okay. different things in his yeah. life. And basically there's this love interest. Right. And they love each other. Like they're perfect for each other. But every time he tries to like do something to make it to where they can end up together, something is like ruined, Like someone dies or like someone can't walk or, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Their lives are like ruined. Like it just doesn't make sense until like the, it ends up into end the movie Like he makes it to where they broke ties like way early in the in their lives. And like they the ending scene, they like walk by each other and kind of notice each other, but then don't really say anything. And Ashton Kutcher knows in his mind, it's like we can't be together because it would just ruin so many other things. I think that's Scott Frost in Nebraska football. For whatever reason, we can't end up together and we love each other. We do. But it just for whatever reason, it can't work. So that's what I'll say to that It's tough.
1: Not a good place to be as a program, just in all honesty. It's just like because of the answers, like, where do they go? Because I know
0: because I don't love I mean, I'll get into my
1: short list if we yeah, want to. I don't I, get into it. Hey, I like before you I like K-State guy. I, yeah, what's I, his name? Uh, Cl- uh,
0: Climan Clim-
1: or something yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, I like him. That would be funny. Like Adrian Martinez goes there. Scott Frost and leaves head coach And then we team. take their head coach. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't hate it. He won it.
1: with Adrian Martinez. I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true.
1: Uh, but <laughs> so so
0: here's the deal. Here's what's happened. So Huskers named Mickey Joseph interim head coach. Mickey Joseph actually played QB at Nebraska a little, uh 88 to like 91, I believe, maybe 92. And he was formerly Wide receivers coach at LSU, coached a couple guys you might know by the names of Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, developed them, can recruit like crazy. He got Dakota Crawford to come over from LSU. He got Trey Palmer, a former five-star to come over, who's like our best receiver now. So the guy can recruit. He's got some deep roots in Louisiana. Like, that'll be open, even if he's the co- head coach at Nebraska. He's only been a head coach at like the NAI level where he did kind of okay, but he's super energetic kind of the perfect guy to have as your interim head coach to basically re-recruit the guys you have on the team and kind of rally the troops and be like hey we're playing with house money let's like try to do something and apparently he's already been making some changes uh some staff not necessarily firing guys but kind of changing responsibilities around obviously uh so got a lot of ideas so i think this was also this had to have been maybe when he was hired on kind of a hey if something happens you're the guy I think this had to have been in the plan earlier like he knew this was going to happen and I'm excited for him I mean it would be kind of ironic you go from Husker quarterback to Husker quarterback and the guy you never really thought of ends up succeeding and so I want to leave that door open say Mickey Joseph just wins a couple games you don't think we're supposed to win like If I think if Mickey Joseph gets a six and six season out of this, where you're one and two, where you thought you'd be three and oh at this point in the season, you got to seriously consider him as a real candidate. Now, if he, you know, if he crashes and burns, no, no hard, uh, no hard feelings really towards him or anything, right? Because season isn't looking good right now, but I want to leave him on the table. And I think a few of, I think I saw RJ Young had him as like his. Main guy on the graphic is some of the short list. Now some other guys I like, actually, two guys I do not want that I tweeted about. I don't want Matt Campbell. For some reason, Nebraska, there's a lot of Nebraska fans that are all about Matt Campbell. And it's all because he's just coaching at I- Iowa State. He seems like a farm guy. Like that's it. The guy's 10 at seven in his last 17 games. He to me, and he made a quote that I think I talked about on this podcast that was very Butch Jones-esque, talking about he didn't care about winning the conference. He just cared about being the best team they could be. And I was like, dude, get that shit out of here. I don't want to hear that.
3: Nobody wants to hear that.
0: I don't want, I don't want a guy like that. Anyway, I, I don't like Mark Stoops either. There's a lot of people that like Mark Stoops. Here's why I don't think Mark Stoops will come in anyway. The Stoops brothers and the Polini boys are boys. <laughs> they grew up together. Mark's going to call up Bo and say, hey, what do you think about this? And Bo's going to be like, well, uh, you know, they they don't uh, they didn't like me. So f those fans <laughs> like after he told us to F off and everything, he's going to think we're crazy and whatnot. That is one thing. I, I mean, I kind of liked Bo, but at the same time, he basically told us to go F ourselves. So, I mean, whatever. So if he tells Mark Stoops to stay away, that's good with me. Now, a few names I have. Urban is on the list as kind of a long shot. And again, I'm not like pulling for him to be our next head coach for sure. But I'm not going to be disappointed if he is, like I said. Uh, There's a lot that comes with that, though, obviously. Is he going to – you know, is there going to be stuff that happens when – if he came to our school, is there going to be another – like a lot of drama that ensues, or is he going to have a heart attack, a fake heart attack in like a few weeks? Like, I don't know. Now, a guy I would like, Luke Fickle. Again, though, he kind of – it it seems like he's waiting for Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Although, I guess I, – I assume he – did he have a shot at Notre Dame?
1: I don't know. I would have felt like he would have gone to Notre Dame.
0: That's yeah. I,
1: I kind of almost penciled him in at Notre Dame. Yeah.
0: But, so, maybe I, – I mean, I could see him just waiting for the Ohio State job because I could yeah, see Ryan Days. Day's and,
1: well, I could think see Ryan him Day's going to the NFL. NFL. Uh, yeah. I could, I could maybe see that. It would be kind of cool.
0: But, I mean, you got – he's a guy you have to call, right? Um a couple other guys I like, Seth, you might not like this one, but I actually like Bill O'Brien a lot. I think he kind of fits that attitude of like Nebraska people, like very blue collar, seems like a more polished Bo Pelini. and already took over a program during the Sandusky era at Penn State. I mean, ended up just corralling those guys and saving them from a dumpster fire going eight yep. and four or whatnot. I mean, he really, I mean, I just like him. I think he can coach and I don't think he – the the question is, does he want to get back to the NFL? I think if he came to a place like Nebraska and was the head coach, that could be something that really locks him in. Yeah. Uh, I don't
1: I don't necessarily hate that. I mean, wouldn't be like my first choice just because he doesn't jump off. He's just kind of he's not my favorite character. Like, you know, he's just smug a little bit, seems to me, and just but I mean, he's been an NFL coach for a while. I mean, that'd be and like not unsuccessful like not great i don't think he was a great gm i think that was a bigger problem right. when he got like more responsibility i think he started to struggle um but like at times you know had good teams um and been on the alabama stuff now i mean but we'll see i mean he did just have a pretty poor offensive performance through uh, this last week but i mean that's it's hard to judge one one game um yeah i don't hate that uh it wouldn't be well, yeah, like i did. said it wouldn't be my first choice but
0: yeah. Well, and what he did do as well is he left like a pretty good situation for James Franklin to come into. Like all he did was leave like Saquon Barkley and a good quarterback and good defensive line for James Franklin to take over. So he left it in a good position as well. Um, I, I, so here's another thing that a lot of Husker fans are talking about is, you know, Nebraska's big on having a Nebraska guy or whatnot. And, you know, I don't think that means it has to be someone from the program or anything. But I think there needs to be kind of an attitude that fits Nebraska people. That's where I kind of am out on, you know, people have mentioned Gus Malzahn, which I don't think is a good fit anyway. But even a guy like Hugh Freeze, who I think, like, maybe he could do a good job. But I just don't. There has to be some sort of, honestly, like, the guy almost has to be kind of Midwestern in a way, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Like, I just don't see the Southern draw rolling out at, in a Nebraska polo. Like, it, I just, it just doesn't work for me um ironically considering I myself am myself from Tennessee but uh let's see some other names really the next one that I would go for lance leopold over at Kansas um i think he's doing a pretty good job at least kind of rearing them back to winning games anyway uh he has some nebraska ties he was on the staff from i think 01 to 03 sandwiched in between a stint at nebraska omaha for a long time actually so He's a guy you make a call for. But the thing is, is it's going to come down to Trev Alberts, our AD, making the decision. And I think he wants to hire it, – it, to me, it seems like he wants to hire a guy who is proven because he knows this has to be a home run hire. And he's willing to pay whatever it's, whatever it's going to take. So I'm super excited to see where it goes. Again, I'll say if Mickey Joseph is able to rattle off some wins, I think he has to be like a legit candidate. Because I don't think he really is right now. But I think – I mean, obviously, if he <laughs> – But puts he's it the, the one with opportunity.
1: You know, exactly he, as long, like that's kind of the cool. And he's got more of a season to work with. Like, it's not like, oh, you're going to coach the last game of the year. is just like a throwaway. Like they have a lot of season left. Um, like that's a lot of games to play and opportunities to kind of prove yourself. Yeah. If you can, if you can salvage a season out of this, I mean, who's to say you couldn't get a shot to be that guy. Yeah. Like right now you're probably not a realistic top, top candidate. But if you make, make yourself be a candidate, like have that team ready to play and win enough games to make yourself be a candidate. Make them make them consider you. Um, so that's kind of nice to at least have the opportunity to get to show yourself as like, hey, I've actually put results. I've won games as Nebraska's head football coach already, <laughs> like none of the other guys have. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, it's just finding a good coach is really hard. It's just really hard. Um, Yeah,
0: and I I almost forgot another name I actually really like, and this kind of ties in with Mickey Joseph as well because they work together at LSU. I would like Dave Aranda from Baylor as well. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, I think that would be
1: a. I think that would be pretty. I I would. I would like that. That be and it would be. I mean, that's
0: where that's where Nebraska's money kind of comes into play. It's like because you you know, I mean, Baylor. It's not a top tier program all time or anything, but it's a good job, and a lot of people would be content staying there. But, I mean, if you flash – Not everybody. Yeah, that's true. If you flash millions at a dude, I mean, more than Baylor's fan, obviously, especially – I don't care what anyone says. Nebraska still has some clout as being Nebraska, like being yeah. a program like that. And you're going to have the support that you won't have at a school dude, like Baylor.
1: The fact that they still fill that stadium to the brim every single week it's is just – it's just crazy. No one else does that. Like, yeah. Alabama starts losing – like, if Alabama had a stretch like Nebraska's had, that stadium is
3: – I mean, and, they're not
1: full. Yeah, it's not Well,
3: full. dude, th- their fans leave the games at halftime anyway right now. Yeah. Like
1: – Yeah. So, I mean, it's just you got to believe someone's going to be able to spark that. Like, there's too much support. And they are, like you said, too, they are in a division that is gettable. Like that's their schedule year in and year out is not a murderer's row by no any means necessary, like to at least be competitive and good. Oh, so you gotta think someone's gotta be able to do it, and hopefully it's this next guy. But I don't know what percent, what percent of college football coaches get fired within five years?
3: Probably, Probably like pretty high.
1: high, right? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was thinking that 60 like, 70%, like even good coaches only last six, seven like years. And that's like good coaches that had probably like a good year or two. Yeah. Um, so it's it's tough out there to, to find somebody to come in and do their thing. Um, but you know, but a good coach changes everything and almost immediately. Like a good coach a good coach in year two, you can tell. Like yep. you truly can tell in year two of their program whether it's gonna be and that that's kind of been I'm not the first person to like state that. Um, but I do I am pretty like Sam Pittman got Arkansas to a top 10 team in a, you know, nine win season in year two. In the toughest division in football. Like with an insane schedule playing the, playing Georgia, I mean, I know y'all play Georgia, Alabama every year, but playing them two And, um, and, and in the SEC West, just a brutal schedule. Um, And so you saw that like, okay, he's kind of got it. Like that he's seriously elevated things in just a very short amount of time. Like, yeah, he can. There's still room to even go higher, but like, he's he's able to get it done. Um, you kind of get that sense of security. Um, so hopefully, you know, in two years, and Dave Aranda, I think I, I like that a lot. Um, I think you gotta find a guy that's willing to win it, and you gotta find a guy who's probably happy to use the transfer portal and will be really great at that because that's a huge part, and that's where Nebraska, I feel like, should eat. Like, hey, you're a really good player. Come get. Crazy, crazy exposure.
0: Nil deals.
1: Come, yeah, come, come rake it in at Nebraska. Like our fan support, like fan support can carry a program. Like fan support has carried Tennessee through some rough patches, but like when they get back there, like you know that they're kind of gonna get back at even if it's just seasons at a time, you know. And the fan and still there, like so you know if Nebraska gets hot, it's just right. They're right back where they were, and the fan support hasn't even really wavered. Um, it's just a disappointed week after week. Um, the, like the support's still there, they're just bummed out and they're just not, not not excited over some big wins. But it's time for the Huskers to just kind of some. They need to cement themselves in the Big Ten. Like I feel like, you know, for such a strong program that they are, they haven't really done much since joining the conference. Uh, um, so it'd be nice to kind of make a jump into the upper tier of the conference, like they should be. Nebraska should be at top. Four team in the Big Ten most years. I would yeah. say. I think. That's no, I mean, I would really agree. Fair. I mean, like that, I mean, if I you
0: it, look at yeah, if you look at like tradition, you have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Nebraska. Like that makes that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like you're not really I mean, throwing they, Michigan State in there. I mean, mm-hmm. re, like Michigan State's good, but it's not the same, you know.
1: Yeah, like Michigan State, Wisconsin probably have their years where they're one of the top four teams, but yeah, but not like. But I'm just saying, Nebraska's Nebraska should be right there on par with the Wisconsin. Yeah. That's, that's kind of that. my that's my comp that I would say, like, they literally should like you can almost pencil Wisconsin in for nine wins. Like most years, 10, honestly, like they've just been that consistent because they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Yeah. Like Wisconsin hasn't ever been. They're never like a true juggernaut of a team, although even though they've had some really good teams, but they win the games they're supposed to win. And as an elevated program, like there are there are eight or nine games on Nebraska's schedule that they should win as Nebraska. Like their program is better than eight or nine of these games. And and so, and then you put yourself in position to win a few more um, on top of that, but they just haven't done that. Like they can't even beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Even when they win against teams they're supposed to beat, it's looked bad. So it was time. I mean, that's the thing. Unfortunately it was time and I don't even like, in retrospect, yeah, you can say, well, we should have fired Frost just at the end of last season and just, you know. But, you know, the decision was made. I think most people, I mean, I don't I don't know the true feeling, but I, I would feel like most people were okay with that decision because it was known, like, hey, this is it. Like, this is your season. If, if right. you come out, like, you, he knew that that was a possibility if he came out like this and they started one and two, and, yeah, you're gone against – winning, losing two games as, as like pretty high favorites. Um, so yeah, it's like, he knew it was coming. Um, and that's a tough thing. It's never fun to like lose a coach just because it means you're just starting back at s- spot zero. And mm-hmm. Scott Frost proves even time, you never know how something's going to work out. Like you never know the signs could all point towards. It's a great hire and everyone could praise and applaud you. And then it just, not end up you know anything anything special and scott frost was even more disappointing than you could have really thought to be honest overall Uh, like you never you might have thought you know maybe scott frost doesn't win national championships in nebraska but man they're going to be solid like like he's going to put together a good product on the field he just didn't i mean he just did not do it
0: yeah no you're right i will say this uh I think it's kind. There's a little bit of a weight lifted off everyone's shoulders too that it is over now, because now you're going into Oklahoma and it's like, hey, you're playing with house money. You got nothing to lose against an Oklahoma team that, yeah, they ended up winning big, but was up three nothing at half to Kent State, I think.
1: So, and it it, it looks like your offense is going to score points. Yeah, just shoot it out. I think you just got to shoot out with Oklahoma and just hope for the best. Yeah, I, I don't. I actually in my little pickup I do I as dumb as it sounds I'm riding with the Huskers man this is the game that they win the weight has been lifted I think that's right it almost is like play free play unbound and just go out there and win a football game yeah like do what you all know how to do go play football have fun and just win like you'll have a crowd that is just happy to be there you know Yep. it's like that's a really good point like like honestly, you probably feel better going to this game now that you know Scott Frost. Like you're going because this you're going to this game, right? Yep. The like, you, boys will are be you there. actually honestly a little happier going into it without Scott Frost as the head coach? I mean, especially uh, what happened last week. Like you, well, here you actually know the thing is is say like we
0: lost Scott Frost is still the coach. Then yeah, I'm kind of doom and gloom. Like, dude, this yeah. isn't happening. But now it's kind of like, hey man, you, we you literally know, have nothing bro. to lose. Like if we go out and it doesn't look good, it's kind of like, okay, well, we're on a coaching search, so no big deal. But if we come out and win, it's like, dude, this is awesome. (laughs) Or honestly, if if it's a good game, like if it's a good game, I think some Nebraska fans will be pretty happy.
1: They will. Yeah, it's just like, you know what? We're just going to ride the season out. We love the Huskers. Like that's not going to stop. Yeah. Like like that's kind of what I was saying about the Titans even. It's like they lost a bummer game. Yeah. But like. I'm not going to stop watching and loving the Titans and like hoping they win. And I'm not going to stop believing in the Titans. Um, if their ball is on the field and the Huskers are lining up, like, come on, come on, boys. Like, let's win this game. Yeah. Regardless, I literally, Memorial I, it's Stadium such a. Del-
0: yeah. I was just going to say, regardless, Memorial Stadium is one of the best yeah. venues in college football to watch a game.
1: Yeah. And like, fan delusion is just so, 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 so real. Because like, I remember. It was, like, 2019, and Alabama was number one in the country. Arkansas was on the road, and, like, I was at the game, and I woke up that morning and was just like, you know, they're going to throw the ball out there. Like, Razorbacks could take this one home. I mean, like, why not? Oh,
0: yeah. If anyone thinks I've given up on – like, I I will go into every game being like, yeah, we could win this no matter what. I mean, yeah. 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 Especially knowing that we have, like, I think we have a really good quarterback, really good receivers. And one of the, honestly, one of the best running backs in the country, the Anthony Grant has turned into, I mean, he was one of the top Juco guys and he's turned into a beast. I mean, he has a hundred yards in every game so far. Um, I think he has like 400 something maybe already. So, I mean, I know we can score some points and that is a big deal in college football right now. Like, yeah, our defense sucks, but hey, maybe we'll just score every
1: time. Yeah. Yeah. Why not just put together a good offensive game? Yeah. Well, I got the Huskers this week. Let's go beat OU. Why not? Why not just have some fun? That would be just a, a celebration. It would be. Yeah. What do you think, Scott? Frost, okay, I know we're probably wrapping up here. It's been a pretty long pod, but uh, what do you think Scott Frost is doing like during the OU Nebraska game?
0: I mean, is I can just hope going it.
1: for a run. Like, <laughs> if if that was me, I'd literally put my headphones in and I'm going running for the next four hours.
0: Like maybe you're like
1: going, going fishing or golfing or something.
0: Yeah, just get away from it. But I would. Dang, maybe I would, he
1: was playing too much golf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would kind of like to think that he'd be s- sitting on the couch watching the boys and cheering them on. And I kind of think he will be. That probably would be. Like I would. If I, got, I don't know if though. I'd I mean, this. I mean, dude. It ima- probably hurts. Imagine, dude. imagine being Scott Frost in this yeah. situation. Like that hurts. It nah, that hurts bad not not just because they fired you but because it's like dang I like I didn't do it like I failed. failed
1: yeah that's not the firing part like that's even because he's probably been so stressed like it actually is like a like you said kind of in a weird way a weights lifted off Nebraska fans like think about Scott Frost like honestly a weight has probably been lifted. like he has been under so much scrutiny and just like pressure and even though it's like almost more pressure because they wanted it so bad for him that like he couldn't produce any, like, it's just mounting. Um, And so I think it honestly, and let's be honest, dude got uh, 15 million, like to not like, it's hard to feel super, like, I don't feel sorry. I, I, I do. I would bet he feels pretty bad, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, things could like as a human being, things could be worse. know,
0: yeah, I got 15 mil. I could go retire right now if I want to retire.
1: Like he could be legitimately done and he could do whatever he wants. Now he could disappear and never be seen again. He could buy a house in Lincoln and hang out and live there for, (laughs) you know, like he could literally do whatever he wants. And uh, so it probably will hurt for a while and be weird and hard for him, especially like failing at the place where you were like destined to succeed. Like if, if for some, if in my life, which is, it is, I'll say this very frankly, it is my dream to be the head coach of Arkansas Razorbacks. Like doing that would be the greatest accomplishment. Like it would, it would make my life. Like if somehow I got to that position, obviously I would have had a lot of success to get there. Like no, in no way am I handed the job and neither was Scott Frost, even though they wanted him to succeed. Like he earned a head coaching position at Nebraska by being a good coach like by being a, a coach that was worthy of, of that type of power five job. But if like you get that job, that, that's your ultimate position. And then you kind of fail there when all, when everything seems stacked in your favor, it's just tough to handle. And he'll, he'll have to process that. Like any human has to process failure and, and different stuff, but, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Um, yep. I don't know, maybe he'll go coach high school football or just chill.
0: Honestly, yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm sure he'd have fun
1: matter
3: in uh in nebraska
0: in wood river
1: yeah in wood river that'd
0: be, that'd be pretty cool
1: that'd be pretty chill i think people would like gravitate towards that honestly
0: i i kind of agree with you we will see it just all depends on what he wants to do maybe he'll um, go
1: coach in the nfl like cliff kingsbury yeah. fail in college and then get promoted to head coach in the nfl <laughs> that, that still amazing. blows that still blows my mind and and I, We've. Been, well, I don't want us to talk about this for very long, but Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> got fired at Texas Tech, bro. He couldn't win at Texas Tech, and the next job with he Patrick got was Mahomes with he. And then he got <laughs> hired as an NFL head coach. What are you thinking? <laughs> I don't care what his offensive system is. If he can't win at Texas Tech more than like seven games, if he gets fired, he, the Red Raiders didn't even want Cliff Kingsbury. Where he went. He played that's like, there. That's like, that literally is like Scott Frost getting hired by someone in the NFL next year. Yeah. Quite literally the same. Oh my. All right. Let's go. We need to wrap it <laughs> All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll wrap it up there, guys. Thanks again for
0: listening. This has been Pater Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Big thanks to Ryan Schumper from Rocky Top Insider coming on. Uh, be <laughs> sure to check all their stuff out. Rocky Top Insider on all the socials and Ryan Schumper, Just search them up. You'll be able to find them. Check us out. Sports. blog is the website at Paydirt underscore sports on Twitter at Paydirt Sports on Instagram. Also check out Six Pack Coverage. Obviously, they're at Six Pack Coverage on all socials. SixpackCoverage.com for all kinds of sports, entertainment, news. Check them out. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will be very excited to talk to you next week.
3: Paydirt out.